You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast interview with Colin Steen. You know, it's interesting as I've gotten older, I've really started to reflect back on that early time growing up on a farm. And I'm fiercely, fiercely proud of where my roots are in Weldon, Saskatchewan. It's a town of, you know, it's 160 people there today, right? So we were just back uh, in Saskatchewan here at the end of August and just being in a spot where every day you have cattle to feed, you've got a grain crop you're trying to grow, right? The things are subject to weather, the sort of the ups and downs of farm life is so dependent on the 6 p.m. news and the weather forecast each night. It's very, at times, stressful, uh, but most times incredibly rewarding, right? There's nothing like sitting in a combine at harvest time with all the fruits of your labors all coming in at the same time. It's a great experience. We had cattle, which is just a never-ending thing, right? You know, our vacations were tied around going to cattle shows, cattle sales, bull sales, cow sales, anything that revolved around the farm. And we had a ton of fun on our vacations and going to these events and, and seeing sites in those areas where we went to. But at the end of the day, you know, your life revolves around the cattle on the farm. It revolves around the farm, right? There's no sort of, hey, we'll take four months off and not worry about it, right? Those cows have to be fed twice a day and looked after. So it's a lot of responsibility and it's a great way to get yourself ready for life as an adult, for sure. I knew I'd have to buy a bunch more farmland and probably get a bunch more cows and really double down on everything. So both my father and I could make an adequate living off the farm. And that sort of made me a little bit nervous. So I took advantage of some opportunities that I had at Syngenta back in 1995 to be a sales rep. And I would say the journey was just very typical at that time. A lot of us got out of school and the first thing we did is took a sales job with one of these major ag companies. And that's how really the, I think the first step on the change was in 1998, I applied to go to school for my MBA and there was an ad in this ag magazine saying it's like 911 for your future. And it was an advertisement for the MBA program. And for whatever reason, it really hit me. There, there is a bunch of my friends that were incredibly talented people. And I'm th sitting there thinking to myself, how am I going to separate myself from this pack a little bit further? And so then I thought, okay, well, the MBA is going to give me something that separates me because I'll, I'll get experiences and knowledge and education that will continue to maybe widen the gap between what is a group of really talented coworkers. And, and so I did my, my MBA. That then gave me an opportunity. One of the first big moves was to move to the U.S. in 03, where, you know, leaving all your family and friends behind. We have no family. We knew no one on the southern side of the border, right? So it was, you know, it was moving to Nebraska, knowing that you're going to kind of put into, into motion a set of events of quick moves or promotions that allows you to scale the corporate ladder. This were a holding company with three distinct companies as part of that holding company. So we've got Legacy Seeds in Wisconsin that's got its roots uh, breeding alfalfa. Alfalfa is an incredibly important global crop for cattle feed, for dairy feed. And so it's a perennial that you plant and it grows in the soil for four years. It fixes its own nitrogen. So it's a great crop for sustainability purposes in U.S. agriculture and global agriculture. So we have a breeding program in that. We've got D 
DF Seeds in Michigan, which has been around since the early 60s and a lot of history there. And it focuses mostly on, on genetically modified soybeans that are food grade. So they have a clear hilum, they have a clear seed coat. They are exported to Asia. So for tofu and for soy milk and things like that. So that core of that business so is a little more food focused. So that team is very focused on the export customer and making sure the farmers have a good relationship with us and with their contractors to go overseas. And then we just acquired a third business is Trical Superior Forage. And this is a triticale breeding business. And triticale is a cross of wheat and ryegrass. It's been around for 40 years, 50 years. It's been around for a long, long time. But we have one of the only breeding programs globally in that crop. And again, a great story from a sustainability standpoint. It's a cover crop. You plant it in the fall after your corn has been harvested. And then it gets established to about this high off the ground. And then it goes dormant as it heads into the winter. And then it grows up in the spring. And in some parts of the U.S., they turn their cattle out to graze on that crop. Other parts, they, they chop it for forage and put it in a, in a pile for feeding throughout the year. So we've got two businesses very much focused on feed, a third business very much focused on the food aspects of the supply chain. And then overarching all that is sort of this underlying focus for us on sustainability and regenerative ag that's really important. And talked about this before to others, you know, we don't stamp it on top of our shirts about sustainability because farmers are very proud about the fact that they're farming sustainable right now, right? They want to be able to pass this farm down from generation to generation. And if they don't do it sustainably, there's nothing left for the subsequent generations to farm. And so what we talk a lot about is just the act of putting a cover crop, a living root in the soil year round, regenerative ag is being important for, you know, this is what our consumer customers want. They want to buy their milk from dairy cows that have been fed crops that have been grown sustainably, right? And if we can tell this story really well, it's really important. So we're working a lot with a couple different firms in DC to help get our message across to some of the folks in Washington about what we're doing, what the crops do for the benefit of farmers. And it's a very nice, diverse set of businesses. We're owned by a private equity fund in Dallas, Texas. So that makes us a little bit unique. But we're still fiercely independent. We pride ourselves on being independent to the needs of the farmer. You know, at the end of the day, our, the farmer is our North Star, right? Like the consumer, yes, that's incredibly important. And they're, what they want and desire is going to be really key. But if we can help the farmer be more profitable, if we can help them have a better you know, profit per acre, a better yield, then we've done our job. So we often start our decision process off by saying, okay, what's important to the farmer, right? What, if the farmer's your North star, you're not going to go too far wrong in this business. Yeah. I've been talking about how hardworking farmers are obviously, you know, my family, no different than so many other families, right. That grew up on farms, both my parents. So my dad, uh, his father went to world war II, came home and was a mechanic and an auto garage and had a bad accident and broke his back. So he was a paraplegic for the rest of his life. So my oh, dad right. had that growing up, you know, that, you know, basically, you know, his father was in a wheelchair most of his, uh, most of his year or all of his years, except I think, you know, from age five or six onwards, dad then started helping out at the, his uncle's farm, uh, where the homestead farm was for our family going back to 1902, you know, and farming was really important to him. 
my dad, uh, you know, brought cattle into the farm. He didn't have a high school education at the time. Uh, went back in the late eighties to get, you know, finish off his high school, uh, diploma, which was, you know, something I'm incredibly proud of him for doing. And then he, uh, you know, farming in the late eighties was tough and tough for mom and dad. So, uh, you know, that a lot of the land was borrowed at 18 to 21% interest rates, oh right? God. So, you yeah. know, the old Volcker years, right? So, uh, incredibly high interest rates. And then when it didn't rain in 88 and 89, you know, that's a problem, right? When you don't have income coming in, uh, and large loan payments and high interest rates to be made was, was a real issue. So we, uh, a lot of the land went back to the, back to the bank. We farm, continued to farm about half of it, kept the cows. My mom went back to being a nurse. So she was a nurse when her and dad first met and, you know, a nurse throughout until my brother and I were born and then took some time off. And then, so she went back to work, worked incredibly hard to help, you know, make ends meet for everybody. So yeah, it was good. I would say we, you know, while we didn't have a lot, I don't ever remember not having what I wanted. It's like, we always had money to play hockey. We always had time to go while we're at the cattle sales and while we're at the cattle shows, you know, it was fun. Like I, I would never once go, man, my childhood, there was so much missing, right? You know, my parents provided so much for us around every corner, all the opportunities in the world to do what we needed. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.